Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This episode is titled Double Dip in the Tar, Stripers and Shad. And I'm going to be talking to Captain Mitchell Blake of Fish IBX out of Chacoinity. And we're going to be talking about that overlap timeline where you can get out on the tar and catch both species. And we're going to talk about striper lures and tactics, shad lures and tactics. My name is Gary. Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and now here in our latest and greatest efforts, the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series, where we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share with us their thoughts, their insights on how to catch more fish more often. In this endeavor, I'm joined just as I am in every episode. I'm joined by Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Billy, happy to be back in the saddle, getting ready to talk fishing. Hey, what's up, Gary? Good to see you, man. Always a good time to be on the podcast, talking fishing, hearing about fishing, living through other people's experiences of fishing. I enjoy it all. It's good. I just close my eyes and imagine... <laughs> so yeah man it's a good time and all is going well in your world i hope all is going well man recently got a haircut trying to clean my act yeah. up a little bit and uh yeah man i'm actually very excited for the upcoming season you know a little bit more work ahead of me before i can maybe pull back on the gas pedal a little bit but man it's i i am optimistic for this year i'm looking forward to a great 2022 yeah, man, we got a big year, good year for the podcast, big year, got a special announcement coming up. But before we get to it, I do want to shout out a few of our sponsors here. Uh, the first one is Bland Landscaping Co. Uh, we got Bland Landscaping, and they are um, they reached out to us and said, hey, we love the show, we want to be a part of it. Uh, and so they were they came on as a sponsor, and, and they're looking to recruit people, Gary. So it's not just a hey, we want you to do business with us. They're looking to recruit like-minded people who are enjoy the outdoors, being with family, being with friends, want to wake up early, get to work early, come home early, get on the boat, get in the woods, all that fun stuff. So if you're looking for a new career, not you, Gary, but everyone else listening or watching, then this is the place to go. Go to landscapingco.com slash careers. And so what they have, their North Carolina business, really, really great operation over there. And we really appreciate their sponsorship for 2022. Excited to have them on. Yeah, man. I, I like the relationship. You know, when you announced them, I thought it made a good fit. Um, I passed their office. I mean, one of their offices off when I'm driving south, you know, they're in the supply sort of shallow area. And uh, man, I, I like what they stand for. And again, I just think it's a good fit for our podcast, for our podcast community. And I certainly hope we're helping them recruit some of the right people, man. I, I like what they're about. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Good people over there and uh, a lot of good benefits on that job list. I did go check it out, you know, so in case this podcast thing doesn't work out, but anyway, no, it's going to work. It's going to work out really good. It's been fun. So, all right. And then our next sponsor, which is the longest running one is Marine Warehouse Center. Uh, they got a couple locations, one here in Wilmington, one in the Charleston area as well. And then they also ship worldwide. I just want to make sure I, I mention that because that's a big service that they offer. I uh, get a quick little message from them and we'll be right back. In Warehouse, we have everything. We have new boats, we have parts, we have accessories, new trailers. We have a complete service department with highly trained technicians. Anything you need to get out on the water, we have. At Marine Warehouse Center, as we've grown over the last few years, now have a large section of marine supplies from start to finish for all your boating needs. What I love about this region is to be able to get out on the water and also we love to be able to get you out on the water. The best part of working at Marine Warehouse is being able to get involved with the customers and share a love for the water. There you go, Gary. It's warming up, man. You gotta go. You, you got your boat ready. Is it out yet, or is it still still getting work done at the time? Actually, of this and this wasn't even calculated. But actually, I went today. I picked up my boat today from Marine Warehouse Center. So I've got my boat. Nice. It's all ready for the 2022 season. And I mean, uh, Emmett happened to be out in the yard, and yeah, man, things were happening. You know, lots of going on in the service department. Uh, they were getting some new Carolina skiffs delivered. Some of them already bought, but some of them not. So they're actually starting to, you know, like other boat dealers, starting to see some inventory there as well. And uh, yeah, man, there's just 
you know, there's yeah. definitely energy abound. Like it's clearly the season is right around the corner, especially when we're having such, you know, warm months here early in the sea. I mean, warm days here early in the season. Yeah, man. I imagine. Well, I imagine they're busy, but if you still need their service, their help, be sure to get in there sooner than later. Otherwise you'll, you'll be stuck in the garage while everybody else is out sun tanning their bums or whatever. <laughs> so anyway. And be sure to stop by and give Terrell some jokes. Cause Terrell, you know, Terrell, Terrell, he, he, uh, <laughs> he's struggling. Um, and might even bump you up the line. I mean, maybe if you make them laugh, maybe they'll put you ahead in the service line. I, I don't know how that works. I mean, I can't promise that, but why not ask? I can see no harm in asking. And, uh, I do have a, I do have a joke if you're ready. I'm ready when you are, Gary. I'm excited. But don't Kinda. be excited. Daryl's <laughs> joke, not mine to be All clear. Right. Why didn't, why didn't a mate play cards? Why didn't it mate? I, uh, no, don't know. Because the captain was standing on the deck. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Terrell's getting better. The last couple were good ones. It's ringing them in there. Maybe he's getting better. Maybe it's the spring. Maybe it's the spring yeah. air. Maybe it's the busyness around the shop. Maybe he's trying harder. He's coming out of the winter months yeah. where he's been overeating comfort food. Maybe he's ready to go. I don't know. And who knows? Maybe he went and did a little tour at the comedy shows. You know, comedy stops this uh, this winter while it's slow times, and get you know refresh his little joke list or whatever. His, his he should set, do homework. So. He should be doing homework. He should not just, you know, he needs to make it happen. I'm with you. <laughs> well, Gary, I got a little fish picture for you real quick before you guys get into it. This is John keen with one of the mini stripers he landed while fishing the roanoke river uh i barely could get that fish into the frame there so uh good good work john looks like a pretty good fish i mean much smaller than what gary's caught but you gave it a good shot <laughs> yeah he did great john did great i'll give him that all right yeah man um we'll come back again i'm gonna start talking with mitchell come back we got a big announcement uh, you know, that we've been making uh, a project we're very excited about. But still, even with a big announcement, that does not get you off of Billy's best right. takeaway. You know, we, we have to have we have to keep tradition. And one of the traditions is Billy's best takeaway. So my, after my conversation with Mitchell, coming back to you. But yeah, man, right now I'm going to turn I'm going to turn the camera on to share it with Mitchell. Welcome to the show, Captain Mitchell Blake. Welcome back to the show, Captain Mitchell Blake of Fish IBX out of Chacoinid. I'm glad you're giving us some time for the podcast before you head to the Taco Bell drive-thru, and I'm excited to be talking fishing with you, man. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you guys having me. Hey, I, I've got I've got a joke for you. All right. Nah, I better not use that one. <laughs> I, I'll tell you that one next time I see you. It's a good one, man. <laughs> Deal. I mean, I don't think you're supposed to tease the audience like that. I don't think the audience is happy, but I, I'm, I, I'm cool. They want to hear it too, man. It, it is a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> You're not helping. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, Mitchell Blake, even though you're a longtime friend, even though you're a return guest, you do not, you are not exempt from two questions. As soon as you're ready for question number one, I will deliver. Question number one. Why should we listen to anything you have to say about a striper, about a shad, about the Tar River, any of it? say so, uh, uh, I, I don't have a clue <laughs> i don't have a clue why you should listen it look it changes all the time i probably you probably shouldn't even listen to me but i guarantee you I'll, I'll have you scratching your head <laughs> all right so you tease with a joke that you're not going to tell and then you basically give us no reason to listen to you I'm, I'm loving the direction of this podcast this is one of my favorites so far as tradition goes, you got question number two is a non-fishing related question. Are you ready for question number two? Question number two. Fish IBX. And I'm focusing on the IBX. Sounds a lot like IBS. And so your questions have to do with IBS. I need your opinion. The following statements, are they myths or truths? Statement number one, myth or fact? Two-thirds of people with IBS are women. Fact. That is a fact. Myth or fact, more people under 50 have IBS than people who are over 50. Myth. Fact. Ah. 
Last one. 10 to 15% of the world's population has IBS. Fact. Fact it is. Congratulations. Yeah. Two out of three. You are cleared to advance. And so here we go. I got to tell you, man, I like your title, Double Dipping the Tar. I love the idea because I've enjoyed this fishery with you where we're catching stripers. And then once we're content, you know, we go and say, hey, man, let's just go catch some sad shad for fun as well. So I'm in. Um, but set us up, man. This is not a year round fishery where they overlap, you know, overlap on the tar. So set the stage here, man. What is the timeline? And, you know, and, and brief me a little bit about the tar itself. All right. Check this out, man. I just got off the water. I had to push it a little harder, a little further today than what I wanted to. Um, it was overcast, and man, we were just uh, we were we were scrapping for the fence to make uh, to make it happen today. Just one of those days. But anyways, we pushed a little far, and uh, I ended up on the uh, still got me inside the truck. But anyways, check this out, man. The Tar River. It has an anadromous run of fish on stripers and shad, and there are opportunities for stripers mm, all throughout you know late winter spring um shad usually come make their spawn and run but there's a there's a perfect little scenario you get a you get a month or so by shucks maybe even more than a month let's see late february march mm, maybe the first week or so in april you've got a good 45 days of double dipping shad and stripers both of them are on a spawn and run uh, and man it's uh it happens on the tar river it happens on the noose river it happens on the roanoke river and from a guide perspective i would probably say the tar might be the least highlighted roanoke gets a lot of credit for shad run and striper run noose gets a lot of credit um tar rivers most of you good old boys they keep it maybe hush hush. I, uh, I mean, I follow you. Like I, I, I agree that Roanoke probably gets the most limelight this time of year. Yeah, yeah. And then I would, I would agree with the news too. But you're right. I mean, that was part of the intrigue of this podcast, and uh, part of part of, part of the intrigue of you know the trip you've taken me on before, where we did the tar and we did both. Yep. So, man. As far as the tar goes, how does it stack up to how does it stack up to Noose and Roanoke? Like, what characteristics make it the tar? That that's a that's a good question, and uh, I have guided professionally Roanoke tar and the Noose. Uh, I fish all three systems, and I can definitely tell you that the Tar River is probably the moodiest river that I got on. And now check this out. Tar rivers, I'm going to call it shorter, maybe narrower, shallower river. So what I mean by moody is when you get, uh, when you get a lot of rain, it gets muddy quick. The flows change quick. Uh, but that's not to keep anyone away it has excellent fishing opportunities um, for both shad and stripers. And I can tell you, uh, I grew up, I cut my teeth on the Roanoke. I fished the Roanoke a tremendous amount. Uh, let's take, for example, the past 30 or 40 days, past 30 days on stripers. Uh, everybody's been asking me, hey, Mitch, man, where are you catching stripers at? Uh, I have seen a really, really pretty class of fish coming off this system that it's kind of uh raising my eyebrows uh, some of it could be where they've shut the striper fishery down for years um this fish are getting bigger uh, but from a guide perspective i'm catching some i'm catching some quality fish uh on the striper aspect uh shad aspect the other day i had a i had a customer with me and uh, we hit the stripers. We caught some really pretty stripers and kind of got into the middle of the day. And I asked him, I said, hey, man, would you be uh, would you be interested in trying for some shad? Um, 
And he said, absolutely. He said, man, I hadn't caught any shoes. Think we catch some. I've seen a few flick. And we ended up uh, having a really good shad day on hickory shad and white shad. So, uh, Tar River's got a, uh, it, you know, it's 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 got its flag waving right up there with the noose in the uh, in the Roanoke system. And uh, like I say, if you spend a little time on it, get to learn it. It, it can, uh, man, I'm telling you, it can produce. Uh, it can produce some of the numbers that you quote uh, here from some of the other rivers, and it can uh, definitely produce a quality fish. Uh, that man, I would. I would say, man, there's some pretty fish coming off of it. Well, man, as far as the tar goes, and I guess I should know this, but either remind me or tell me. So water flow doesn't vary from rain alone. It's also a dam release affected river. And, you know, what is your water flow that you like for this time of year for the double dip and striper shad? Gary, I like... Uh... I would have to say high water uh, definitely brings more flow, which brings more fish running. I don't know, maybe makes them more predictable. Uh, but if you think about the Tar River, if you've ever fished it, um, once you get above Greenville Falkland area, it gets there's some skinny water. I mean, there's you're not running big boats up there. Um, let's just say from Greenville down, you're fine on about anything. Uh, much different than the Noose River and much different than the Roanoke River. Uh, so I think the tar kind of warns people away. Um, but if you take time to learn it, man, it can uh, it can hold some really good fishing. And, you know, from a guide perspective, it's, uh, like I say, I I usually fish every, every system until I find a... Uh, until I find a fish that I can put my customers on that that uh, I think is high volume fishing, and like I say, I'm on the tar now, and we're we're seeing some really pretty fish, good numbers of pretty fish. All right, man. So it seems to me, I mean, just from what you just said, that when we are talking about a double dip trip, that mm -hmm. you like to start the day with stripers. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, sometimes I'll start it with shad and switch over to stripers. Uh, generally. I'll start out with stripers and then flip to shad. That's kind of kind of the way that uh, I would traditionally do it. Uh, just because when you're talking about like we're if you start thinking about February, um, a lot of people start getting the itch to uh, to get out and catch the first shad. You know, it's always a popular thing. Who caught the first shad or the start of the shad run? Because it's a it's a phenomenal fishery. And those stripers are there all winter. They're there all spring making that same run. So uh, generally what I will do is start out striper fishing and then kind of uh, flip over to shad as the as the sun gets up. A lot of times those shad get really active and you take anything flashing in the water or uh, small jigs or what have you, you can you can uh, you can catch some high volume shad. So that's generally what I'll do is start out striper fishing and then flip over to shad. All right, man. So for this podcast, then let's start the conversation with striper and then we'll flip over to shad. So, you know, again, in my mind, people are watching, listening to this podcast and mm -hmm. some of them want to employ this knowledge and go at it on their own. I think some will be tempted or even more than tempted to call you and do this trip. So a standard double dip trip, you know, here in February, you know, late February, March, and maybe into the early April, uh -huh. you know, what's the boat ramp you like to start? And then of course, we're not asking for specific locations or anything, but like where, what boat ramp would you start the day at? And then walk me to the process of finding stripers, I guess, finding them and then what you're going to throw at them, how you're going to, the tactic, once you find a place you want to fish. I'll generally start my season out right in Washington at the, uh, at the foot of the word, actually the tar Pamlico come together. Um, and I'll start fishing my way up, uh, you know, late winter, early spring, uh, just just looking for stripers, size class stripers, you know, volume of stripers. And I'll generally follow those fish all the way up Greenville, above Greenville, up to Falkland. Once I start hitting Falkland, a lot of times I may back down or um, just because that water up there gets so skinny or 
I'll switch to another boat uh, if I'm fishing up above Falkland. Uh, but like I say, it's uh, and I'm just generally finding good schools of fish. I follow them up until I either lose them or they make a leap and get ahead of me. Um, I'll drop back down, find another school, and it's almost like a uh, like a merry-go-round, you know, following those stripers. Uh, shad kind of do the same thing. Once they start to trickle, uh, the shad do a, you know, they'll, they'll start to trickle, they'll do a peak, and then they'll phase back down kind of thing. So it's use several different boat ramps and, you know, just find a good school of fish. If they move up, you move up with them. And when you're on them every day or every other day or what have you, you can, you can stay with those fish until they either make a big leap or you get a rain event that kind of washes you off those fish. Sometimes you have to drop back and regroup back up, punt and find another play. But uh, when you're on the water a lot, you'll, you'll see those fish. You'll see the movements. You'll see the patterns. All right. So, most of the people listening to this podcast aren't going to be on that water every day. Mm -hmm. So help them out a little bit, man. Is there, mm -hmm. are you looking for fish visually? Are you looking for fish on your machine and whether you're looking for them visually or on the machine, like where on the river would you tell us like at little Creek mouse at Ben's deeper water, shallow water on the shore in the middle, you know, help us in our search. Here's uh here's one thing. Now I'm on. I'm gonna tell the listeners now. I grew up on the Roanoke. Uh, that's that's where I learned to striper fish. Um, I still fish the Roanoke. I took my knowledge from the Roanoke. Started it on the tar, trying to learn the tar. Uh, in my opinion, I had a lot to learn when I switched over to the tar. In in the fact, in the simple fact of, for example, the Roanoke River's fairly deep river. Tar River is really shallow. I came checking out the tar when I was first trying to learn it, when I was trying to scout it, whenever I was trying to figure out these fish. Uh, you know, I, of course, rode the river, looking at the channels, looking at the bends, looking at the ledges, looking at the drop structure, how it flows. Uh, way different than the Roanoke, way different than the Noose. Uh, I was looking at water depths, way different than the Roanoke, way different than the Noose. Uh, so as I began to fish it, using my electronics, uh, reading the water, looking for the areas that stripers would stage or, or what have you, what I would find day in and day out is that was probably the hardest puzzle to put together. I think that's why you don't see a lot of anglers or Tar River doesn't get a lot of credit for what it actually holds and, and and i'll use this for an example uh just this season i had a video videographer uh on the boat with me and he was trying to shoot some footage and i had been catching fish on 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 jigs and spoons and we're fishing along and i look up my out of the corner of my eye i mean i see this shad skipping and next thing you know fish are busting everywhere on the top and i was like Man, let me grab a let me grab a topwater plug. We're supposed to be talking about jigs here. And next thing you know, we're throwing topwater plugs, crushing stripers on top. And it's, you know, 50 degree water, 48 degree water, or <laughs> what have you. And I've seen that scenario play out time and time and time again on the tar. I think with that shallow system, you're more out on a on a given day. I don't care whether it's extremely cold outside or on the warm side when you're talking about stripers on the tar you have to be prepared for a lot more scenarios i think than any of the other river systems that i have fished and uh, it's a good thing because you can get a lot more opportunities in a day to do a lot of different things a lot of different styles that it offers uh but from a from a mental perspective trying to pattern those fish it makes you kind of feel like you're a train wreck um the fish on that system i think they move faster they move more uh than the other systems i've been on uh you know for example over the past two weeks i've been on a school of uh of fish that are man they're 19 to 26 27 inch fish and i have followed those fish 
I'm almost certain it's the same school. Uh, we've covered 20 miles in, I've covered 20 miles in eight days. 20 right. miles days. And I can tell you how, how that, how that worked. I found those fish was on those fish for a couple of days. I lost them. I took my knowledge from the road and said, well, they're going to swim upstream more than likely because we had a wind event and pulled the river a lot. Uh, so I ran upstream. I found those fish again. I went above them. I lost them. I dropped back to them. I fished them a couple of days and I lost them again. So I ran upstream again and I found those fish. And I've done that, like I say, until the point where they've gotten uh, almost where they're difficult to get. Uh, so right now I'm dropping back down to find another class of fish. Uh, so it's uh, it's a unique river system. Like I say, somewhat, I'm going to use the word moody. Uh, just because this river's flow is determined a lot on wind events at how, what is the Pamlico doing? And is it backing up? You know, did we have a lot of rain? The tar may flow hard for a few days. It may stop. It may back back up. Tar river's a little bit, uh, a little bit different in that nature. So it keeps you on your toes scouting these fish or finding these fish, but gee, it, there's a lot of fish to be had. I'll put it that way. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, man, that was an insight. You just shared. A, I mean, there there was full of experience and knowledge and insight in that answer. But if I were to like nail you down and say, all right, Mitchell, but I want to rechannel your answer and say, I'm going to the tar. I'm putting in. Where specifically are you telling me to start my search? Is it in the middle? Is it along the shoreline? Is it creek mouths? Is it bends? Is it shallows like shoals is a shoal drop-offs like in that time of year what kind of environment of the river typically is a good starting spot or a couple of starting spots i'm gonna give you the uh i'm gonna i'm gonna hit that i'm gonna hit that nail right on the head gary <laughs> i believe you yeah hey, check this out it's a shallow system on a shallow system more than likely your deeper bends your 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 deeper areas are going to hold your best concentration of fish um so that's where i would start uh you think about this system it's uh you know there, there's a lot of six and five and seven and eight and ten foot of water um a lot of five six and seven you know eight foot so your bends are going to hold 14 to you know 14 to 18. um springtime it could be i mean today i thought it was gonna be 80 degrees today and i had on a wish i had a fur coat um you know 50 degrees today 80 degrees tomorrow so when you get these inconsistent weather patterns like we always have in the spring uh start out in your deeper water then you can determine whether that fish is on the bottom lockdown you can determine whether he's suspended or whether you look up and all of a sudden they're busting shad on top so straight up, I'd go to my deeper water to start and I would watch what my shallow water was doing or I'd let the fish tell me if they're going to be shallow that day. And then I would, uh, then I would regroup. And I'd also look at my electronics. Everybody's got electronics these days. Everybody's got good stuff. Uh, use those electronics. You can look, you can side scan, you can see. Uh, and if you don't know how to use your electronics, Hire a guy that uses electronics and let him teach you or, or go to a school or get on YouTube and figure it out. Um, even me trying to learn electronics or dial my electronics in, you know, a lot of times I'll get on YouTube and try to figure out, hey, what is uh, what is TFG on your Garmin map on the advanced settings? Well, if you get on YouTube, we're in 2022 here. There's, there's two things that are describing that function on your electronics. Not a lot of people know about, you know, all the dogs and all the, how to set that thing up. But anyways, you can put it on the default mode and find what you're looking for. <laughs> but uh, if you know your, if you know how to use your electronics, you can cut a lot of, uh, you can cut a lot of time out of the game and, and uh, really dial these fish in. All right. So now I'm going to hit you with Mitchell. What do you like to throw? What do you like to throw when fish are on the bottom? What do you like to throw when they're suspended? And then lastly, what do you like to throw when they're when you're seeing surface activity when you're targeting them on top? Gary, I'm a big I'm a I'm 
I'm a striper dude at heart. Um, I've been a striper guide for a long time. That's swim bait, man. Uh, a, a striper loves to eat a shad. He loves to eat a, he loves to eat a fish. If you got those heron and those shad are swimming by, he's dialed in. That's what he wants, man. I'm going to give him a, I, I, I love throwing swim baits and lipless crankbaits. And of course you can't leave top water out. Can't leave top water out. And top water is usually something that happens, you know, people associate with late spring or what have you. The Tar Rivers, like I say, I fished a Roanoke for forever, still fish it. I can count on my hands how many times that I've cracked the stripers on top water in February and March over there. And I can tell you how many times a week I crack them on a tar on top water uh, in that same time span. It's uh, he, They fish act different in the shallow system. There's no doubt about that. All right. I got follow-ups. Mm -hmm. You ready for follow-ups? Yeah, man. First on the swim shed, man, do you have a favorite? And if you don't want to name drop a company, then at least tell me color and size. And then the same thing with the jig head. So people love specifics. Give me some more specifics on swim shed. You know what you like to throw there on the bottom. I'm going to throw, if I'm tying on a swim bait, a lot of times I'm throwing, uh, custom Aaron's baits. Um, got to give my boy a shout out there. Uh, if there's a better swim mate on the market, somebody send me one. Let's put it on YouTube and see. Um, color you can get, uh, lipless crankbait, rattle trap, team rattle trap. Give me a, uh, Give me a quarter ounce rattle trap and go to town. Top water plug. It doesn't matter on top water plug. Just keep it moving. Um, and jigs. color, color of swim bait, color of swim bait, and then size of jig head. Um, color swim bait. I'll go natural. Match the hatch. I'll go with a natural color and. Weight wise, a lot of times I'm throwing. Man, a lot of times I'll throw a three eighths ounce. I can burn it to get it up top, or I can let it get down in the current if the current's flowing. Three eighths is a awfully, awfully uh, universal weight for these river systems. You can make one cast and hit sixteen foot of water, and crank that thing till he thumps it. He punk comes up on top. You can throw it and just burn it right across the top inch under the water. You can get it done with three eighths. Um, leader important? Um, nope, 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 nope. Uh, straight braid, buddy. That way, if you get a one pounder, you're good. Or if you get a shot at a 20 pounder, you're good. Uh, if you get a little structure, you can bring it out, bend the hook, get your stuff back. Uh, leader, leader, something that, uh, folks on my boat, a lot of times we'll go round and round on it. Uh, I'll get a lot of anglers on the boat. Hey man, you got to put a fluorocarbon leader on that. I don't, I, I use just, if you fish these river systems, um, stripers are not leader shy that I have found unless it gets mighty, mighty crucial circumstances. But most of the time, tie it straight to braid. If you got a swimming right, he's going to eat it. And uh, that's all there is to that. And then uh, I, I think this is one of my last striper questions before we uh -huh. transition to Shad. And the last striper question would be like, what's the class of fish we can expect on the tar here in the March month? You know, a little bit of February, a little bit of April. You guys need to go check out, uh, check out my Instagram or check out my Facebook page and see. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've just been on a better class of fish this year, but we have been catching consistent. I've had more eight to 10 pound fish this year than I have in years. Um, like I say, it could be just cause I'm, I'm finding those better fish or I'm digging harder or I'm hustling harder to trying to find bigger fish. Uh, you know, in, in, in the guide game, there's always somebody nipping at your heels. You got to stay competitive. So it's either, uh, 
in this game, you're either trying to you're either trying to stay on really big numbers or really good numbers or really good class of fish. And then you've got that clientele that wants numbers or I want big fish. So it's kind of you've you've got to stay on both, but it's man, I've been seeing some really pretty fish this year. All right. So now we've been we've been successful with stripers in the morning. Uh -huh. The sun is up. It seemed like that's what you said. Like shad sort of get a little bit more lively when the sun's up and it's warming up a little bit. So these fish aren't cohabitating. So I've been targeting deep water mm -hmm. on the tar for the stripers. And then I now have a shad frame of mind. What's the environment for the shad? Is it, you know, if it's, if they're not cohabitating with the stripers, what am I looking for now when I'm trying to find shad? All right, we've caught our stripers. Uh, we want to try to hit some shad. There's a couple of things. This is this is going to be pretty interesting as well. Your your creek miles are definitely going to be an option for your shad. Any mixing water is going to be an option for your shad and any eddy in that river system. Otherwise, you've got flow coming. You may have a treetop and it's kicking a little water back. Uh, those shad will congregate behind it. Uh, they'll hold there for you, or at least make it where you can you can. Uh, concentrate on them now when those shad are running full peak run uh man you can just walk down to the riverbank and throw it in it doesn't it doesn't really matter but as that bite is ramping up you're going to be one you're going to want to position yourself to be in the best areas um, and that's going to be generally your creek miles or like I say your eddies or little kickbacks in the river sandbars that create some little current breaks and that's found by using your eye. Uh, that's not really something your machine or fish finder is going to tell you. Uh, some of your best shad fishermen, you take the fish finder and throw it overboard. Uh, they don't need it. They don't use it. They, they know where they're going. They know what they're looking for by the eye. And then what am I, what do you have tied on the rods for me to throw at these shad? Traditionally, Dart and spoon uh, has been the has been the flavor. Um, it was when I first started out shad fishing, dang thirty years ago. But uh, traditionally now, I'll use a double grub. Uh, and what I mean by grub is a little crappy grub, a little two inch curly tail. Uh, I will tie some flies. Uh, I'll run a fly and a uh, and a curly tail, and Sometimes I'll run a curly tail and a spoon. Spoons are difficult to find. Spoons are difficult to find right now, but uh, either all of that'll work. And one so, day, one day want to work better than the other. So when you put that in my hand, you know, uh, and if you have a couple people on the boat, are they are you mixing it up? Like I'm throwing something different than you know, say Billy next to me is throwing, or you kind of have been patterning them so you you know that grubs are hot and you're just going to start that unless it's proved different or or do you like variety right out of the gate i'll mix it up um i'll let everybody play their poker hand hey what what do you everybody put their bids down on what they think is going to be hot and then uh divvy it out and and uh and have at it and generally one day or it may be different in the morning and different in the evening but one day uh is going to be different than the next now, as far as color goes or or what have you. And then it seems like they'll lock into a color and that color will hold steady throughout the rest of the peak of the season until it falls off. Uh, don't really know what makes that happen. I've seen, I've seen a color last for a week. I've seen a color last for a month. I've seen a color last for a year. Uh, so if you, if you look at a shad fisherman or go into uh, the tackle shop there, there's going to be 15 different color grubs and, uh, you know, 10 different color jig heads that you can use. And that's for a reason. I, I usually carry about 20 different color combinations and it'll get dialed down to one. Searching your memory bank from last year. Uh -huh. What was the hottest for the longest amount of time? Was it grub? Was it spoon? Was it fly? And then, and then what color, you know, and again, just because it was last year doesn't mean it's this year. I'm just curious what worked best last year. Okay, the hottest color grub last year that I used was uh, it was a hot pink shark. It was a hot pink and white grub. Um, and then I had a little uh, fly that I tied. It was actually out of Iceland horsehair, and it had a little bit of uh, 
just a little bit of marabou and it had some uh just just about three sections of glitter uh, on that thing and i i don't know that thing would it would do some damage I, it moves so much in the water but it's that was just a little custom thing that i had tied just trying something out um and last year the silver spoon was was pretty daggone good and but and look check this out i started out this year with the pink and white grub and uh i think on my third cast we uh i caught a great big white and then it followed up and we actually we had a really good day this year on on that hot pink and white well man uh when i'm on your when we've switched to shad fishing and I, uh -huh. I've picked out my my two hooks. I've put my wager down with the other people on the boat. What's the instructions to everyone, man? Is it cast far? Is it let it sink? Is it to jig, you know, abruptly? Is it to jig slow? Like, how do you guide us? Like, what's the action that's you know typically produces the best results? Long cast, uh, flip that bell over, count to about four, and put that thing in motion, and go ahead and bring it on back uh steady steady flow back to you and uh if those shatter there they'll 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 knock it buddy they jump it's it's a great fish to catch man more more people should do it uh it is an absolute blast catching those fish they're, they call them many you know they're just like a miniature tarpon poor man's tarpon is what they call him but uh but yeah, I mean, if you see, uh, and you'll see those fish kind of flicking on top. If you're in that area, just throw it over there and flip your bell and start retrieving. Anybody can do it, man. You can, you can take your, take your kid, take him shad fishing, that'll get him hooked on. It'll get him hooked on fishing for life. All right. We are coming to the end of the podcast, but I always like to give like a final thought. I'm going to give you two final thought questions. Uh -huh. So first one is striper, you know, any other thoughts that you want to share with us on the striper fishery there in the tar in the February, March, April months, you know, anything you didn't say, any question I didn't ask to set you up or, you know, just the last thought you want to leave our audience with. February, March, April, if you're coming down here to striper fish, um, let's just say you come down and don't hit them. Uh, don't give up on the system. I think, uh, I think it's got something for every style of fisherman there is from, from the guys that like putting cut bait on the bottom to the guy that wants to, you know, drift a minnow to the guy that throws top water to, uh, every style is here. Uh, and if you talk to guys on the bank, you're going to run into five guys in a day's time that do it five different ways. And you don't see that necessarily on the Roanoke and the noose tars a little bit different in that aspect. The boys that fish it, that have faith in it, they know the fish it produces, have a lot of fun with it. The guys that come and hit it once and uh, didn't get that hunter fish day, sometimes they'll give up on it and 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 shoot on to the Roanoke. But uh, man, I think it's a little diamond in the rough. It's a it's a it's a little diamond that uh, a lot of people overlook. All right, now same question with the shad fishery there on the tar. You know, March, March, maybe a little bit of April. Mm -hmm. Mitchell Blake's final thoughts on shad fishing the tar. The further you go up above from Greenville, Falkland on up, man, it's, it's, uh, it's some great shad fishing. It's got white shad. It's got hickory shad. Um, it's, uh, it's check this out. Being it's a shallow system and it's not, it's not a massive system. So check this out. You don't have a lot of water to fish. So it kind of narrows your odds. Uh, think of think of it that way. Find you a spot. If you don't have a boat, there's plenty of areas you can access from the bank. Um, there's good kayak fishing. If you got a boat, it's all great. Just get out there and try it, man. It's uh, there's a lot of fun. And if you get a chance, need a guide, need some help, man, pick up the phone and give me a call. And then uh, I guess this is my final final question, mm -hmm. man. Uh. What are you doing? Give us give us the highlight reel. Fish IBX has a lot going on. What are you doing? You know, in April, rest of the spring, summer, fall, the highlight reel, please. Man, we are turning up the volume right now. Um, already fishing. Uh, usually, I'll start after Valentine's Day. Start hitting the shad. We're on the stripers. I'll carry that through 
uh, right on into March. March is phenomenal. Uh, March Madness, man, it's just, it blows up. Um, Striper Shad, April, Striper Shad. Uh, man, we, we put the, we put the wheels on the road and, and, and roll with it. Um, uh, as you can see, man, we're just, just winding up a trip. I know I should have been in the office, but, uh, man, we're fishing, fishing rods are here, boats hooked up. I'm getting her to hose it down right back at it in the morning. Um, so man, we just, we try not to let it stop, man. Just keep rolling, keep rolling, keep pumping, keep grinding. <laughs> Got it. Mitchell, I've enjoyed this conversation. I've enjoyed watching the sunset. I've enjoyed having you reflect on the tar. And I, and I mean that. There's no joking in that, man. And I like that you both give us practical information. And then you are you gave us some reflection as well, like the, the bigger picture. And I appreciate it, man. This was a good podcast absolutely man if you guys uh if you guys need me give me a holler and uh and check this out that fish that y'all had with john king we caught that on my boat now, let me tell you a story behind that look <laughs> I, had, I had been striper fishing and the day before we had zeroed i was like john they're gone man john said really bad. boy i want to catch some stripers i said bud i said all right let's let's go do it and we went and it was a phenomenal day man they started chasing stuff on top water boom 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 and uh, we we caught some we caught some nasty stripers that day, but uh, but yeah, I mean you don't ever know until you go, and uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me and anytime. All right, That's Mitchell, a man, have a good night, dude. Y'all do the same. I'm gonna go grab me, grab me something to eat and uh, respool some rods and get it ready for tomorrow. All right, man. Talk soon. See you, buddy. Billy. What is going on, Gary? Good episode, man, as always. So, Billy's best takeaway. You know, I th I think my best takeaway, and it's because Mitchell said it several times, is the tar is a shallow body of water. And so don't be afraid of topwater fish in the wintertime for striper. I was like, damn, that sounds fun. Like, wintertime, topwater, you know, because everybody's, don't, don't don't do that in the winter, but he's saying, hey, it's shallow enough. They're there. Try it. See what happens. So I had my best striper topwater day ever on the boat with Mitchell Blake. There you go. They Call were him up. They were crushing it. It was it was a, it was a fun morning. It was a great time, man. It was a great time. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, man. I, I like that he's out of the box. I like he's doing some different stuff. And, you know, he does fish hard, man. He does push it. And I do, I do like his delivery. I mean, his delivery is, you know, I mean, he made me work a little bit to get some specifics out of him, but it's not because he doesn't want to share specifics. It's just that, you know, he's thinking about these bigger pictures and bigger ideals, but you know, I, that's what makes it, that's what makes this podcast fun for me is like seeing where his thoughts would go and then doing my job to bring him back to give my people some specifics, but still enjoy the ride. Yeah, man. Yeah, and he's got a well-oiled, you know, machine. I remember seeing him at shows and everything else. Very professional, getting it done, keeping that boat busy. So it's always a lot of fun. Well, Gary, I want to give an opportunity because we've talked about this big announcement. We've already made it once or twice now on different channels, uh, but we do have a a new membership opportunity with weekly fishing reports. So I'm going to turn the camera over to you and let you tell us a little bit more about that, and then I'll come back and close this thing down. All right, man, I'll be happy to make a pitch. So here's what's new in Fisherman's Post. Here's the big news for Fisherman's Post in 2022. We are getting back to our roots. We are offering weekly fishing reports, weekly fishing reports online. And when Fisherman's Post started in 2003, that's how we branded ourselves, weekly fishing reports. The business model no longer makes sense to offer it in the newspaper, but I've always wanted to return to our roots, which is weekly fishing reports, quality reports. And now online, we're going to be offering that, you know, so what we're going to do is we're going to have these fishing reports online only. They're not going to exist in print form. You know, you can watch these fishing reports. You can listen to these fishing reports, but they are going to be online behind a paywall. And it's going to take a lot of effort, a lot of energy, you know, some investment to make this happen. So we have to put these weekly reports behind a paywall, but there's good news. The good news is, that while the price will be a hundred bucks a year or 10 bucks a month, 
you know, to try to get people excited and try to generate some early support, we have what we're calling a charter membership. So for charter membership, you can access these weekly fishing reports for only 50 bucks. So 50 bucks is good for the year. And what's even better is come next year when it's time to renew, if you've signed on early to support us on this charter membership, then next year will be 50. In fact, every year will be 50 bucks for you, you know, as long as you don't expire, as long as you keep renewing. Now, a little bit more on the reports, you know, so what we're going to do, and, you know, this is our first year, I'm sure we're going to build on it, but our first year, we want to just make sure we can deliver on our promise. So they're going to be inshore fishing reports only. We're going to be talking to our inshore guides, our inshore sources. So this first year, I don't want you to pay and then be complaining because we don't have offshore. We're just not offering it. We are going to be covering our whole area from North Myrtle Beach up through the northern outer banks, but it's going to be inshore reports only. I don't even think we're going to have surf and pier in this first year, you know, unless the response is phenomenal. And then we will certainly match that energy by cranking out more. But for right now, weekly fishing reports, inshore fishing reports, April through October, from November to March, we're not going to keep up weekly. It's just not necessary. So we'll do bi-weekly reports, but we'll also add in additional premium content so that you're getting something new every week. You know, we want you to feel like you're getting value every week from this investment. And so you, you'll just go to Fisherman's Post. You click on premium content. There's links that give you more information. There's links that let you register. And there's links that let you access. And again, starting in April, but you want to get in now at the $50 rate. And that's my impromptu pitch. Billy, how'd I do? You're crushing, man. I'm running over right now to sign up. I'm jumping down. And um, and it's going to be in the show notes, too. So all the links, description, all that stuff will be, uh, if you're watching the video below the video, if you're listening to a podcast, it's going to be in those show notes, show descriptions. Uh, so you guys can go check that out. Excited to work on another project and expand the Fisherman's Post uh, podcasting audio video uh, so it's going to be really fun, man. Excited to to get rocking and rolling. But we do need people to sign up. We do have a goal uh, to launch this in April with a certain amount of people. So um, if you like what we do, you know, want to support it, want to support the show, uh, this is one of many phases that Gary and I, our big brains, have <laughs> have thought about as we as we grow this medium uh, in this media. So really looking forward to, to it, Gary. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I agree. And, yeah, and also we, you know, we love. We're not abandoning the podcast or any of that stuff. We, you know, we're still grinding on. We got Marine Warehouse Center on for for 2022 and Bland Landscaping Co. for 2022, uh, and we're going to keep pushing out this free content as well. So um, if that's what you you like, continue to do it. But if you want that more insight and more in depth fishing report, then definitely go over there and check it out. And we really appreciate our sponsors for making this show possible. And Gary, this is our. 101 episode which is still crazy to me even after last week of being a hundred episodes so uh high five long distance man we're making it making it happen yeah man i mean you know every now and then i like to pause and say man we've accomplished something and then you know get right back to work so you know last episode with 100 we certainly paused now we're back to work and enjoying the work and i can tell you that Man, I already have like a slew of guests signed up for 2022, a slew of captains, a slew of topics, and uh, I'm excited, man. And, you know, it's, it's going to be fun. The podcast is great. It is basically what gave us confidence to move forward with the fishing reports. And so just as the newspaper still gets my love, the tournaments, the schools, the podcast, you know, the fishing reports is just added to it. Everything else will certainly get our full attention, our full effort. We don't like doing anything unless we, you know, do it as best we can. That's right, man. Well, Gary, appreciate you, man. And we'll see you in the next episode. All right, man. Fisherman's 